and the hope of something better, and the light of love and peace as it touches us. God, we carry the weight of our own sins, but we rejoice in the forgiveness that you grant us, that you have removed our sins and our mistakes as far as the East is from the West, forgetting them. God, may we be so kind to ourselves and others to do likewise. And we pray in your son's name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. Our time of prayer continues with our joys and concerns. This is a time to share the prayers that are in your hearts and minds today. I already see a hand up over here. Let's start with you. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I got to go to Six Flags. Awesome. Oh, that's one of my favorites, the Wonder Woman ride. What a joy. Twirling around, going up high. Love it. Thank you for sharing. Others. Yeah, Susan. Wonderful. My son-in-law who has that um, treatment available in his chiropractic office also dies of cancer. Uh, and so he said it takes three to six months for the full effect. Yeah, yeah. So, well, our prayers continue. Good news, good news. So we've been praying for Susan's sister, Bobby, who's been living with some chronic pain, and she got some stem cell injections and seems to be already in less pain, which is great, and hopefully that will simply continue. Amen. Yeah, sure. true? <laughs> Sharon is wishing happy Father's Day to those who are celebrating, but then was saying, we know you don't like flowers and candy. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> so certainly we celebrate with those who are celebrating. Also want to remember those for whom Father's Day is a difficult day and um, hold that in our prayers as well, no doubt. Others? Yeah, Judy. Amen. Uh, so Judy sharing, she had surgery to remove 
um, two nodules on her lungs. Uh, one was benign, one was very early stage cancer, but Judy's feeling very grateful that it was caught very early. Uh, there's going for one more round of testing, but things look good right now. Then she also added at the end how grateful she has been to all of you for your support. Um, the healing has been painful, and having you all lift her up is great. And then she urged at the end, you know, if you're thinking about sending a note, giving a text or a call to someone who may need that extra care, do it. It makes a difference, without a doubt. Yeah, Andy. Oh, wonderful. Friend visiting from Arizona, welcome. Others? Yeah, Rebecca. Rebecca is offering prayers for her sister, uh, who's struggling with health and with homelessness, currently in the hospital, um, and Rebecca really trying to get her into perhaps a rehab facility after the hospital and not back on the street. Prayers for you and for your sister. Yeah, Forrest. Uh, Forced, uh, one of our deacons is lifting up one of his deacon group, Bruce Nelson, who is currently in the hospital. Uh, they think he is suffering from sepsis. Um, when I talked to him yesterday morning, he was not feeling well at all, and they were still trying to sort of figure out what was going on and how best to treat him. So definitely pre please hold Bruce in your prayers, without a doubt. Anyone else? Yeah, oh, yeah, Deb. Yeah, don't want that. Don't want that. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Our, our flowers bring such a joy to the sanctuary, and uh, Deb has done such a great job of cultivating them from around Tiburon in these places that are legal, of course. So if you are a gardener, love flowers, and want to donate one week, please let us know. Yeah. Tricia. Yep. Not this morning. We, we prayed for her last week, and we will pray for her again this week. Tricia's lifting up Lisa Bartshot, um, who had a biopsy this past week and was confirmed she has lung cancer stage 4, uh, so has a very long and difficult treatment ahead of her. Uh, so continued prayers for Lisa, continued prayers for her husband, Stefan, as they embark on this journey together. Yes, thank you. Did I see one back here? Over here. Yes, Carol. Mm -hmm. So I ask your prayers 
And so prayers for their friend, family of their friend Mary, who recently died after a journey with cancer. Prayers for her friends and family. More that tomorrow is Juneteenth. Uh, there are lots of activities and events happening in Marin City, so if you have uh, time to go there and to be with the residents of Marin City, that would be um, a wonderful thing to do in community. And we continue to pray for you know, how we can grow together as a worldwide community, because we certainly have a lot of work still to do, no doubt. Let's have a few moments of quiet, and then we'll share the Lord's Prayer together. Let us pray. Gracious God, we give thanks for the ways that you hear all of our prayers, for the ways that you continue to journey with us in our times of sorrow as well as in our times of joy. And hear us now as together we pray the prayer that your son taught us, saying, Our Father, who
Amen. Thank you. This is the third Sunday of the month, which means it's our birthday blessing Sunday. So if you have a birthday in June or if you missed a blessing in a previous month, I invite you to come forward. Oh no, see they're coming. Don't worry. You're not alone. So if I didn't know better, I would think that Jeff welcomed you this morning a little early on purpose. Because, did you? Was it on purpose? <laughs> Am I going to ruin it? <laughs> what? No. Okay. <laughs> he is uh, preaching today on one of my favorite scripture passages about laughter and joy and Cause a little laughter. I'm sure you did it on purpose. <laughs> so I was thinking about that, and often for a birthday blessing, uh, we share a poem. And so I wanted to share a haiku with you. All right? So you know haiku, five syllables, seven syllables, five syllables. I see my son laughing back there. I think he knows the one I'm going to share because <laughs> it's one of his favorites. All right. So here is my birthday blessing for you in haiku form, okay? Haikus are easy, but sometimes they don't make sense. Refrigerator. You're welcome. <laughs> right? Five, seven, five, a perfect haiku, right? <laughs> so, my birthday blessing, my hope, my prayer for you is that you will certainly have some times of joy and laughter on your birthday on this year ahead. Not to say that we move through life joyful all the time. I mean, if you listen to our joys and concerns, we, we move through life carrying heavy, heavy burdens. But may there also be so many moments of joy and laughter in this year ahead for you. Happy birthday. All right, you may be seated, and I'd like to invite any of the children who are worshiping with us this morning to come join me here at the front. <clears throat> Love your shirts, by the way. Very nice. So, I recently found out that your dad actually has hidden away fruit snacks. Can I tell you how much I love fruit snacks? Oh my gosh. In fact, Jeff, I think I owe you a new box because uh, I've been eating. Oh, you have some in your car. Excellent. So one thing, I, <laughs> it's possible I may have some for you later, but, but not right now. Okay, so I love fruit snacks. And you know what? I love them all. I love them because they're different colors, because they're different shapes. These actually are in the shape of fruit trying to make me think they're healthy or something, like eating fruit, right? So I open this package, and in this one package, look, here's one that is multicolored. It looks like maybe that's an apple, but it, it's like red and yellow. 
Let's see. Here's a bunch of. Oh, look! If you turn it over, it helps. Okay. Yes. Is that a strawberry? Okay. Yeah, it's a strawberry. Grapes. Yeah, yeah, see, you can, start, you can do so many awesome things. I don't know what that is. Tell me what that is. I'm so glad you all are here. You're helping me out. Okay. Um, is this a banana, maybe? I don't know. What's this one? Oh, a, a carrot. Oh, we're into vegetables now. That one definitely looks like a strawberry. Anyway, you get my point. I love them all. They're different. They look different. They taste different. Oh, my gosh, they're so amazing. Now... Here's where I'm going to make my amazing metaphorical leap, okay? And I'm going to compare this amazing, yummy, varied, unique little packet of fruit snacks to us, humanity. Because aren't we in some way the same? Varied, different, unique, each of us amazing and wonderful, just like these fruit snacks are amazing and wonderful. And... The last couple weeks in Sunday school, we've been talking about different names for God. Were either of you here last week? Do you remember what name for God we were talking about? I don't remember if you were here last week. No, we, so last week we talked about God as good shepherd and how God cares for us just like a shepherd cares for sheep. Today, we have a different name for God. We're going to talk about God as Abba. And what the heck does that mean? Is that a word you've even heard before? Abba? You have heard it. Excellent. So you guys could maybe go to the advanced class, all right? But thinking about God as Abba, which is a loving parent, right, for each one of us. And God loves us as a loving parent, not just me, right, not just you, not just you, not just him, not just her, but each and every one of us, right, in the unique, wonderful, and different ways that we are. Just like I love this strawberry as much as I love these grapes. Oh, and this banana here too. Mm, all right. The carrot, it's a carrot. I, I'm not joking enough to, I'm going to have to... We're going to have to talk more about this. These are fruit snacks. How going to be a carrot? A carrot is the, no, it's not. No, they're not. Okay. Anyway. Yeah, and then the carrot is the only, the carrot is the only vegetable that God really loves. <sighs> so, you know what? I even love the random vegetable that has made it into the fruit snacks, right? So, God, the good shepherd, God, Abba, our loving parent, loving each one of us so much for, because we're unique and different and wonderful individuals just like these fruit snacks. All right, so guess what? We're going to talk, go talk more about God, Abba, our loving parent. So let's head out, all right? Go now in peace. Go now in peace. Our first scripture reading is from the book of Genesis. I will be reading from the Message Translation this morning, which uses slightly more modern language than the Pew Bibles. Therefore, the page numbers for the scripture passages are not listed in your bulletin. Listen for how the Spirit speaks to you through these words. God appeared to Abraham at the Oaks of Mamre, while he was sitting at the entrance of his tent, it was the hottest part of the day. 
He looked up and saw three men standing. He ran from his tent to greet them and bowed before them. He said, Master, if it please you, stop for a while with your servant. I'll get some water so you can wash your feet. Rest under this tree. I'll get some food to refresh you on your way, since your travels have brought you across my path. They said, Certainly, go ahead. Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. He said, Hurry, get three cups of our best flour, knead it, and make bread. Then Abraham ran to the cattle pen and picked out a nice plump calf and gave it to the servant who lost no time getting it ready. Then he got curds and milk, brought them with the calf that had been roasted, set the meal before the men, and stood there under the tree while they ate. The men said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? He said, In the tent. One of them said, I'm coming back about this time next year. When I arrive, your wife Sarah will have a son. Sarah was listening at the tent opening just behind the man. Abraham and Sarah were old by this time, very old. Sarah was far past the age for having babies. Sarah laughed within herself. An old woman like me get pregnant with this old man of a husband? <laughs> God said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh saying, me have a baby, an old woman like me? Is anything too hard for God? I'll be back about this time next year, and Sarah will have a baby. Sarah lied. She said, I didn't laugh, because she was afraid. But he said, yes, you did. You laughed. This is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. So we don't only throw Sarah under the bus. I want to read one other passage from the previous chapter, just a short verse. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, will a child be born to a man 100 years old and will Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? It's not just them. <laughs> it's not just Abraham. It is also Sarah. Our second reading comes the letter to the Hebrews, chapter 11, also from the message. By faith, barren Sarah was able to become pregnant, old woman as she was at the time, because she believed the one who made a promise would do what he said. That's how it happened that from one man's dead and shriveled loins, ouch, there are now people numbering into the millions. This too is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. That's what they get for laughing, I guess. Over 3,500 years ago, something incredible happened that would change humanity. There was Sarah and Abraham. And what happened 3,500 years, 3, years ago would reshape humanity to this day. It would be the launching point of what we call the great Abrahamic religions of our time. Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. All of us 
hold our origin story with Abraham and Sarah. Now, I know that you are a intelligent, astute group of people. I want to show you how Sarah would have made that meal. Because some of you say, I can't cook. And well, I'm going to show you about the easiest recipe you can possibly make. A recipe is anytime you combine two things. And before Abraham and Sarah, people were eating, they were eating vegetables. They were eating carrots. <laughs> Probably not in the gel form that we saw today. They were eating fruits. They ate lots of different things. But they started cooking. We started to realize that we can put things together to make something delicious. And so, we'll actually have three ingredients here. Just flour, a little bit of salt, and water. Now, I should confess that Sarah didn't have an electric griddle. <laughs> she would have used something like uh, a rock of some sort. But we had learned to harness the power of fire. And so, she would have made a little well, and she would start to kind of flick the flour into that well, into the water, and start to roll it over until you get a little bit of a clump of flour like this. And she would continue to work it over and over, just flour and water, just kind of kneading it out, rolling it over, sometimes pulling in a little more flour. Now, do you believe that this really happened? Abraham and Sarah, 100 years old, 90 years old, had a child? Now, I know this is a smart congregation. I know you well. I know that I am usually feel like I am the least smartest person in the room around here. So maybe some of you have had the same questions that I've had about this. How on earth is it possible that a woman could have a child at the age of 90, particularly 3,500 years ago, before we had hospitals, before we had prenatal care, in the past hundred years, the oldest person to have had a child was about six, uh, was in their 60s, somewhere in Turkey. That's with all the advancements of science. So do you genuinely believe that Sarah would have a child? Maybe you're thinking, ah, you know, the Bible, it's metaphors. It's not meant to be taken literally. We say that a lot. And you're in good company there. Maybe also... The odds of a woman having a child at the age of 90 is 1 in 10 billion. There have been more than that many people alive since then. And that might make sense. Because if Sarah had a child at the age of 90, it would bring about a religious movement that would change things, wouldn't it? Well, there's a lot to unpack there. And I'm not going to unpack it quite yet. Because you can imagine there is Abraham... Sarah, living in tents. We don't quite have urban centers at that time. We're living in tents and camps and dwellings. We're nomadic people all over the world. That's how we lived. And we took simple ingredients like flour and water, and we made flatbread. Maybe it's because we believe the world was flat still. I don't know. We hadn't quite progressed as people yet, had we? Sarah would have taken the bread... 
she would have laid it on a very hot rock and left it there for a couple of minutes while it charred. She would have walked back to get maybe more flour and kept making those flatbreads. And she can hear. She can hear these people talking. What are they talking about? There was this rumor that Abraham had that he was going to have a child, that he was going to be the beginning of a multitude of people that God would bless, and therefore they would be a blessing to all humanity, that they would bless the earth, the land, and the people in it. How can we believe that if we don't have any offspring to carry on that mission? Sarah, knowing this rumor, hears these men talking out there. Again, we've progressed as a people, have we not? Now men can make the bread, as you see here. (laughs) Sarah hears them, and she hears something ridiculous. She's going to have a child. She laughs. You know, a lot of us have, there are different types of laughter. The laughter that she uttered, uh, the Hebrew word for it in the language, the original language that it is written is sokach, which means kind of a laugh of contempt. It's the kind of laugh that you might have when you're playing street ball, basketball as a kid, and someone says, you can't do that, watch me. Ah. We have laughter of big joy, we laugh uh, when we're nervous. This was a vindictive laugh. I'm going to have a kid. So yeah, we may look back at them, people living more than 3,500 years ago, and we say, you know what, they, they don't, they don't, they're not who we are. They have not advanced as much as we have. But are they that different? When Sarah and Abraham heard this news, they laughed. Now, I can show you with a great level of confidence how Sarah would have made that bread. This is what we believe is the oldest recipe in all of humanity. Flour and water (laughs) and heat. That's it. I can show you with all confidence this is how she would have done it. It would have tasted like this. It would have looked like this. But can I say with confidence that there was an Abraham and a Sarah who had a child at 190? Some of you say, does that matter? Well, I want to tell you there are debates that Bible geeks and nerds like myself, excuse me, that Bible scholars have (laughs) about this. And the debate goes something like this. Was Abraham a man or was Abraham a group of people? His name actually means father to the nations. Take that for whatever it means to you. And was Sarah a woman or was Sarah a group of people? Now, the idea behind this is what we are reading was originally an oral tradition. Abraham and Sarah, they're making bread on a rock with basic tools that wouldn't have looked that much different from this, a whittled piece of wood. Trying to get just the right char so I can give it to Gil and he won't, he'll give me a five-star review. Now, The, the, if it is an oral tradition, it is really important that we tell the stories 
with a certain cadence and poetry, with a rhyming scheme so that it's easy to remember, like a song. You can remember the lyrics to a song better than you can remember the words to a long story. Is that not true? We, the, 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 the cadence of that gets lost somewhat in our English translation. But what doesn't get lost is one other important piece to oral tradition is that if I, we were telling this story, and Abraham is a group of people, it might sound different. Well, Lewis heard from God that he was going to start a new movement, and he was going to be a blessing to all people, and he brought Hamp along for the ride. And Hamp, Gwen, they showed up in the Promised Land, and eventually they passed on, and more people came along until Carol and Jerry were there, and Gil and Meg, and they were, everyone was kind of doing it, but because it was such a difficult environment to live in, we were not having any children anymore. We felt desperate. Now, it's a lot easier to keep track of all those names. It's a lot, easy, it's a lot harder, excuse me, to keep track of all those names and all those details. It's a lot easier to just say, Lewis <laughs> went to the Promised Land, and Lewis stayed there, and Lewis heard, <laughs> or Abraham. It's a lot easier to just say that. So can I tell you with great certainty that this is how Sarah would have made bread? Yeah. Can I tell you with great certainty that she was 90 years old when she had a child? As our youth hear me say a lot, my opinion doesn't really matter about this. Unfortunately. What I think is even more compelling is that when I read this passage in this story, I recognize that I am Sarah. Unfortunately, I, a lot of times, when people tell me something's going to get better, I don't believe them, <laughs> and I laugh. <laughs> they tell me that we're going to have peace. They tell me that my family's going to get better. They tell me that my friends are going to get along, and I say, come on, please, please. You don't know. You don't know. Well, even despite that, what does it mean to be a faith community? I mean, what does that word mean to us? Faith community. Does it mean that we believe certain things? Does it mean that we have hopes? Does it mean that we're optimistic? Is that what it means to be a part of a faith community like this? Does it mean that we're faithful? Does it mean that despite our circumstances, when the Stranger comes down the path. Regardless of what we have, we extend to them a blessing. We offer hospitality. We offer them what we can give them. Is that what it means to be a faith community? This is why you sit near the front. You might get free snacks. <laughs> the reality is, I am Sarah. And... As much as we listen to these passages and these stories, and we wonder, this doesn't come out of your way too much, and we wonder if these things actually happened. There is a phrase that I have heard in this church before. It's one used by Native Americans as they carry on their own oral tradition. The child asks the teacher after hearing this epic story, teacher, did, it, did that actually happen? And the teacher said, 
You know, I don't know if the story happened, but I know that it's true. I don't know if Abraham and Sarah had a child at 190, but I know that it's true. You are smart people, and you know there is a lot of depth and meaning to that line. I am Sarah. I am part of the group of people who may have made up Sarah. I am just like her if she were one person. I, too, can't... I laugh at the idea that God would surprise me. That there would be surprises. There would be hope. You've got to be kidding me. You don't know how bad it is. What if we chose to have a level of optimism? What if we chose to have a belief that miraculous things happen. Oh, but we've progressed. We have science. We have enlightenment. The philosophical discourse that we have now by merging cultures, we know so much more. We know there's a rational explanation to all this. Just this past week, I don't know if you caught this in the news, what happened to the four children in Colombia. If you don't know, four children, their mother and were in a small flight through Colombia that crashed. And tragically, the pilot, co-pilot, and the mother died. But these four children, ranging in age from 13, 9, 4, and 1, she actually celebrated her first birthday in the Amazon jungle with her siblings. Were in the jungle for 40-some days. How many times did people say, stop looking? There's no way they survived that crash. There's no way they're still alive. Quit. And yet they were found. Having found shelter in the trunk of trees, eating cassava flour they had salvaged from, a, from the wreckage, eating seeds and fruits they found along the way. Are they still out there? <laughs> no, please. But there they were. This past week, uh, we celebrate a Supreme Court uh, decision that is very important to my wife and I. The case was Virginia versus Loving. I am a native son of the great state of Virginia, the Old Dominion. And that Supreme Court case made it legal for interracial marriage to take place all around our country. Why that's important to us that case took place in 1967. If my wife and I were the same age as our parents and we had met in our 20s as we did, it would not have been legal for us to get married. I would have met her, been so overwhelmed with her charm, so overwhelmed with her love and compassion and charisma and wisdom, so enlightened by her beauty outside and inside, and my friends would have said, I guess we got to say goodbye, you can't marry her. Until a Supreme Court made up almost entirely of white people, Thurgood Marshall was on that court, ruled in favor of the loving couple. <laughs> and so we can get married. How we might have laughed in the face of that. I was... I work for an organization called To Write Love on Her Arms. Some of you heard me talk about that. They're a, uh, kind of an anti 
or I'm sorry, a, a pro-mental health, spiritual health, welfare for young people organization. It's been around for a while. And I was part of a team that went to different high schools around the United States. I was sent to the Bronx, to a high school in the Bronx, to actually ask 2,000-some high schoolers in the Bronx to take a magic marker and write the word love on their arms in solidarity with those who don't feel loved. Now, if you had told me, or you had told my parents, or my friends, in the 1980s or 90s, when I was a child, that I would be standing in front of 2,000-some high schoolers in the Bronx, watching them all write love on their arms, they would have laughed in your face. Because I was a troublemaker. <laughs> I was always in trouble. I was getting kicked out of things. I am Sarah. And we hear that things are going to get better, and sometimes you are Sarah, too. We all go through these seasons where we are Sarah. And so we have an opportunity to choose if we will open our hearts and minds to optimism, to hope, to the belief that the promises of God will be fulfilled. If, I, if this wasn't a Presbyterian church and I asked you to testify about times when you have seen God move in miraculous ways surprise you with joy, you would raise your hands and tell us. And that would be a lot of fun. We believe we've progressed so far. Can we not take the stories of those people and those experiences where we have been shocked and surprised when love comes out of nowhere, when justice does come down out of nowhere, when peace comes out of nowhere, we can choose. It's important to note, the writer of Hebrews, this is one of the most encouraging, maybe in a twist way, the most encouraging passages of Scripture to me. Towards the end of that chapter, the writer of Hebrews says, each of these people, including Abraham and Sarah, did not died not yet having received what was promised to them. Our God promises us a flourishing land, a land that will be healed. And it's hard for us to believe that. And maybe you and I won't receive that promise ourselves, but it's coming. We have been promised peace among nations that we will unclench our fists and open our hands to one another. And maybe you won't see that, but it's coming. We will lay down our arms. We have been promised love will conquer hate. It's coming. We have been promised joy, justice, Equality, that the poor will be lifted up and given all the things that they have been promised. That their needs will be met. That their daily bread will be received. And if you have lived in poverty as I have, and you've experienced those things, it's hard to believe that day is coming, but it's coming. You may not get to see it, but it's coming. We have been promised that the poor in spirit will have their souls filled with love. 
will have their spirits filled with peace and comfort and hope. And it may be hard to see that day, but it's coming. The pastor, professor, and writer Barbara Brown Taylor writes about this passage of Sarah. She says, what better way to live than in the grip of a promise to wake up in the possibility that today might be the day, remaining wide awake all day, noticing everything, the shades of the trees, the smell, the sun shining, the way the landscape changes, to search the face of every stranger. What a way to live in case it turns out to be the angel of God, taking nothing for granted or taking everything for granted, but not yet totally grasped to handle every moment of your life as a seed of the promise and to plant it tenderly, never knowing if this moment or the next may be the one that grows. What better way to live than in this promise? Planting this seed of hope and cultivating it tenderly. I am Sarah. When someone tells me that things are going to get better, I laugh. And when they ask me, I lie about it. Because <laughs> I'm embarrassed and I'm afraid. I am Abraham. When people tell me that I can do something great, I sometimes laugh at that too. And you and I and all of us have been promised that someday our God will make things right, will make things new. We remain faithful. We care for the stranger, offering them what we have. We are a faith community. And although we may not see those promises down the line, it's my hope that we can open our hearts, that someday, Yes, someday you and your spirit and your soul will be filled. And your thirst will be quenched. That someday the people that you know, those you love, they too, their hearts will be satisfied. Their bodily, spiritual, mental needs, all of them will be satisfied. Our community, our land, it will be made New, it will be made right. Love, justice, peace, kindness, these things will reign. That may sound kind of funny. And if it does, you are Sarah too. I am Sarah. And as we laugh, by God's grace, may we someday receive these promises with great joy and laughter along the way. Amen.
You may be seated. Briefly, I want to begin by apologizing. I was just realizing I had kind of tried to initiate a new routine that I forgot today, that we, when we share uh, slides during the sermon, we create a link so that you can look at them and view them on your personal devices, and I forgot to do that. So for those of you who couldn't see, I'm very sorry about that. Uh, we'll try to do better next time. I want to point your attention, though, to something more positive than my forgetfulness, and that is some retreats that are coming up. The Marin Crucio, there is a pilgrimage in Tahoe, women's retreat there. Even if you say, I can't get away for that long, there are many camps that only last a few hours in the afternoon and evening. These moments, these retreats, they mark great moments in our spiritual journeys where we can kind of pause, reset, and re-energize, refocus, reconnect with one another. So I hope you take advantage of those. Well, if you are able, I would invite you to stand for our closing hymn, My Hope is Built on Nothing Less. Would you join me as we sing?
You know, we've made a lot of advancements over 3,500 years. We've gone from cooking on rocks in the wilderness to having electric griddles, even those fancy infrared pizza ovens. We've gone from bread made of just flour and water to sourdough and Dave's killer bread. As we've progressed, I hope and pray and may you, leaning on the testimonies of our ancestors and those living among us today, be surprised, shocked in your laughter by all that the Spirit and God may do for you and those around you. Amen.